treating others as we want to be treated, as the Gospel of Matthew 7:12 identifies, is that that is really the work that we're called to do. That's part of the spiritual call that we have, that God wants us to live into honoring the will of treating all as we want to be treated. All of that's tied up into freedom. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by typically Bishop Wright's four faith weekly devotions sent out every Friday. And yet Bishop Wright has invited uh, folks uh, sons and daughters of the Diocese of Atlanta to, to submit their own devotions for the month of July. And today I am joined by our special guest, the very Reverend Dr. Horace Griffin. Um, Horace, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, what your role is in uh, within the diocese? Okay, I am the uh, uh, associate um, at uh, St. Luke's Episcopal Church. My area is pastoral care. So I have responsibility for nine lay pastoral care ministries and uh, do the pastoral care here at St. Luke's. And it has been a wonderful ministry for me, uh, just a glorious congregation. And I am also the dean for the Mid-Atlanta Convocation of the Diocese. That would explain the very in front of the reverend. (laughs) That would would be the very title. That's great. Well, thank you for saying yes to this devotion that you called Climbing Higher. It's based off of Genesis uh, chapter 28, verses 10 through 19. And it's really about Jacob's ladder. Yes. Climbing Higher. And you you shared a little bit uh, of a story. And so... Uh, you 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 talk about going uh, that that Jacob's ladder, the story in the Old Testament, is really a metaphor, mm-hmm. and you have some thoughts about that. And I'm curious if you could just kind of unpack that a little bit for us. Yes, I I write about this um, Negro African American spiritual that uh, is we are climbing Jacob's ladder, and I I went back to my childhood of hearing that sung in church. Uh, I was always a part of the church. My father was a Pentecostal minister, although my mother was Baptist and I was part of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Stark, Florida. And so hearing the congregants singing, we are climbing Jacob's Ladder, very, I can still hear their voices, as well as we would sing that in other settings, some of the preschool settings I remember. And I was always curious as a child, generally. And this was curious because before I understood the story about Jacob and those angels ascending and descending that ladder and what that meant, I was thinking, well, who is this Jacob? And uh, why are we climbing the ladder? Because in my mind, it's we're not climbing a ladder. So I was trying to unpack all of that. And later reading about it, it's this connection with God and this relationship that is established with Jacob and this this promise of of land and how the spiritual connects with it is this promise of freedom. And of course, throughout my life, 
throughout my ministry, throughout the work I've done to create this relationship with God in service, as well as wanting to live into freedom that I'm called to provide freedom for people, God's people, all people. And so there's that connection, of course, with African-Americans, but also freedom for those who find themselves in places of injustice, um, women, lesbians and gays, uh, other marginalized groups, those who are physically challenged. So I see it as a very liberating passage and connecting with the spiritual. Thank you for that. So how would you summarize the word freedom? Freedom for me is, so yeah, there's the physical freedom of just being able to live in a world where we can experience God's blessings and not have barriers put before us in our lives, that we are able to have a July 4th is um, uh, on us this and also Juneteenth, which we've experienced both this summer, of um, being able to have a life, liberty, and pursuit of just uh, pursuit of freedom, uh, pursuit of happiness. So that freedom, but there's also the spiritual freedom, that those things that would impose on us and keep us from being the best that God wants us to be in our lives, of living uh, fully into God's um, promising God's will to uh, do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God, as Micah 6, 8 uh, states. Yeah. And so it's an interesting thing talking about freedom uh, this summer, this time of year, in this year of 2023, because I think the word freedom is a bit um, misunderstood, a bit um, undervalued, and yet inflated. <laughs> and, I've, you know, there's just so many things, especially when there's so many among us whose personal liberties and freedoms are being attacked. And yes. it's often people who buy people who, for some reason, feel threatened by other people's freedoms. And I don't know, I, does that make sense? Yeah, that's a very good point. And so I had just a short amount of time to write in the For Faith. So I put tested in quotations that our freedoms are tested today. And of course, the Supreme Court has handed down a number of things, which a number of uh, rulings, um, which I think infringe upon our freedoms. I feel that there, there are groups that claim freedom at the same time, they're very active in preventing other groups from experiencing <laughs> the freedoms that they enjoy yes. and want to have. So that's the paradox. It is the paradox throughout our history. It is the paradox in scripture. It is what Jesus's gospel and his work calls us to look at and how he looked at some of the people who were the, the sanctimonious, those who were self-righteous, who looked and identified some of God's people as unworthy. And so I think that model of opening up freedom and treating others as we want to be free, uh, as we want to be treated, as the Gospel of Matthew 
712 um, identifies, is that that is really the work that we're called to do. That's part of the spiritual call that we have, that God wants us to live into honoring the will of treating all people, all of God's people, as we want to be treated. And yeah. I think that's the freedom. All of that's tied up into freedom. It is indeed. I, you know, uh, one thing that I love so much about four people is that we get to talk about hard things sometimes. And um, I know the word political is often misunderstood. <laughs> um, and we're going to just go in there. We're going to go there right now. And I hope you don't mind. Um, and if you feel uncomfortable at any point in time, you can just say, all right, yeah, let's change the subject. Let's talk about affirmative action. Yes. I'm very crystal aware that I am a white woman and you are a black man. And we're yes. talking about affirmative action in this country because the Supreme Court just passed. I'm baffled, quite honestly, by it, because I think sometimes people think equality being equal is freedom. And I don't know if perhaps the idea of equity wasn't yet a thing. Uh, and so I'm curious why affirmative action would be seen or viewed as a threat to anybody when it's really just trying to level the playing field. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on affirmative action, sir? I've been, I, I think this is a troubling time we're in. Uh, it's a time when we want to create a world that we do not live in yet. There is an ideal and in the perfect world, we would not need affirmative action, but we don't live in that world. And uh, Justice uh, Jackson, Tanji Brown Jackson wrote that deeming race irrelevant in the law does not make it so in life. So we can pretend that everything is fine in this country. And that's just not, that does not have integrity. That is not an honest reality of the world we live in. We have inherited a very ugly history of racial injustice. Um, you don't have to read much of history in our country to find that. And what, because of that history, we still have those structures in place that still do not see us all as one. As, as, as the gospel calls us into. So we continue to work at that. Part of affirmative action is to bring us into a more perfect union. We are not a perfect union. And we cannot get there by being dishonest that we are in that perfect union and saying we live in a colorblind society. Part of the richness that we have now and what we experience is because we open those doors that have been closed and that we took on an affirmative action. We were intentional in bringing in racial minorities and women, actually gender is interesting. Gender is, oh, race was identified as problematic, but we have other categories that were not addressed. 
So I'm, I'm curious that mm -hmm. one is looked at as a problem. Mm. We know there is still inequity around gender and inequity um, in that case, but that wasn't seen as we have now reached that point of we don't need gender in. Or um, because it was about college campuses, legacy is okay. And so I, I guess I would like to talk with Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, to find out how one is no longer legitimate but the other categories are legitimate. Because if we're saying we are now in a, an equal society, which was certainly part of that uh, opinion, then why are some still justified? Well, let's talk a little bit more about this right after a short break. Hi listeners, thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People. I'm 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 curious about Clarence Thomas hmm. and praying for Clarence Thomas and and not making a judgment against Clarence Thomas because I think too many people make judgments against other people and I I'm done with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm 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 wondering. I I really it's it's just a wonder for me. Um because I what I what a fear I have is that well Clarence Thomas is black and therefore all black people x or all black people should based upon one black person's opinion on things and and vice versa it is all it's all the same and you know it's it's whatever side of the argument you're on i i do wonder about the black community um how they unpack conflict within um racially charged issues such as this. I'm just curious about your context in your in your realm if you have if you if you unpack this and just wonder um from a a black man to another black man and wonder about these things that I don't know that many white people have to worry about or wonder about. Most of my ministry has been in the academic world and having been a professor, a seminary professor and a college professor and many of these conversations were uh, very common and being in the academic setting, knowing about these, we were talking about affirmative action, that being since these are about two college campuses and what that means for college campuses. Uh, interestingly, uh, Justice Roberts, Roberts said this would not apply for military and for, um, for police um, academies. So, Again, this and many people are talking about how confusing that is, because again, Ketanji Brown Jackson, Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson said, "Well, it's okay for us for this for race to be used in the bunker, but not in the boardroom." So we're going to say that we're going to we're going to allow for this to continue when we're supposed to be in a colorblind society, according to this effort. But we're going to keep it in this place, but we're not going to keep it in the workplace and in education. Uh, so that's very curious to me. But to, to Justice Thomas, um, I think Justice Thomas uh, brings up a lot of complications for African-Americans in the United States. 
uh, when you look at his life, uh, it is fraught with discrimination. Um, it is part of affirmative action that allowed him to reach the highest court in the land. It's not that those things he experienced in the 50s and 60s have disappeared. There are still, as we know from a lot of the rise in white supremacist groups, uh, Proud Boys, ne other neo-Nazi groups, uh, Charlottesville, all those things are happening today. It's not that they happened in the 60s when Clarence Thomas was at the Catholic seminary uh, and the N-word was used toward him repeatedly, that that world is no longer. We know that world still exists. We know that discrimination still happened in workplace and uh, on college campuses, that things are being shut down from even having diversity programs. Um, that's really uh, rampant in my home state of Florida. So since we know that racism is very much still a part of the landscape, it is curious to me how Clarence Thomas can sit where he sits, knowing his experience and seeing that that still happens, but saying that we no longer need affirmative action. Let's bring this home. I didn't mean for the affirmative action conversation to hijack your devotion, but it's, no. it, I think it's apropos with climbing higher. What would you say to that? One of the reasons we are having such a hard time is that we do not understand that if we look at a short part of our history, Martin Luther King, who I grew up um, admiring as a child, and went to two of his schools, Morehouse and Boston University, because I wanted to be like Martin Luther King, which I think was a great role model. Um, when we think of the people who marched with him across faith traditions, they saw that as a holy act. What was political was also religious. I don't think that we, that I think they share us, they share a sphere. They Amen. don't live in separate worlds. That God has everything to do with whether we're going to have a life that is honored, whether mm -hmm. we can have a job where we can provide food on the table. That what so laws are being made about what we can and cannot do. God is very much a part of that. And people who went to the streets, which was very, quote unquote, political, it was the holy act. They saw that as very much a part of their faith as they marched with him. So today we want to say that we should not get involved in that. And I've never understood uh, churches that say we will not talk about politics because in my church, it was always a part of our faith. I would say it's pr probably majority white churches say that. <laughs> I've served in predominantly white settings. So I've always found it at odds with my understanding of faith because I think that the church's role and the church to be for the church to be relevant is not to turn us away from what is going on in our world day to day and laws that are being passed, but it is to turn us toward what is happening. It is not to escape 
from the political. But I feel that is the church's responsibility to turn us toward it. Otherwise, the church loses its relevance. And I think we're finding that out with a lot of young people who do, who do not see the church as relevant. And what they often hear from the church is what we're hearing from another case that's being argued today and actually just decided. Um, well, it was already been decided. Uh, this is So you can cut that part. Um, but what is happening is the case out of Colorado and the web designer who, who said she does not want to design for uh, gay and lesbian couples because she disagrees and she uses her faith to say that this is against my faith. And I think from people on the outside of the church, they don't know about the Episcopal Church where the majority of us would say, actually, our faith calls us to honor all love relationships that are God-ordained. But they hear Christian, and they think that's what Christian means. And I think that is so unfortunate because they have one view of Christianity, but it does not represent the faith, the Christian faith that you and I share. That's right. Well, I'm going to share a quick story before we close. My daughter is 23 years old and she's on fire right now. She's like, you know, mom, the church, the Episcopal church in general is just not relevant enough and not reaching this, the people of her age to do, uh, to equip them to, to um, be an answer to say like the generation Joshua, who I don't know if you know about them, you should know about them. Um, Maybe just a little bit. I think I've heard of them. Yeah. So basically she just wants to fight. She wants to fight the oppressors, the fight for whatever. And at this stage in my life, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's all well and good. And if you've got some ideas, I know the Episcopal church is very open to hearing them, (laughs) help them help you. And I'm really more concerned about, about just loving the people who really need to be loved. And, and you're like all this crap over here. I'm not saying it's, it's that people shouldn't address it. I just, I feel like climbing higher for me is about demonstrating or reflecting Jesus's love for all the people that God puts in front of me, no matter what, including if, if, if justice Thomas were to present himself in front of me, (laughs) I'd want to love him. I'd want to love him. I, I grieve that often Christianity is used to do some things that are so harmful and go against the very grain of what I see as the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is love and liberation. And what I would say, I, my struggle with the way the media and the way our larger society casts Christianity, it is so narrowly defined that we are not included in that story. That my Christian faith, I speak as a Christian and I think what the Supreme Court did uh, to to say that one's religious perspective is very generalized as Christian, as to, as opposed to saying this one woman's understanding in her Christian faith is right. how she is approaching it, as opposed to saying the Christian perspective. And we are just lost in that. And that is, for many of us, and not just in the Episcopal Church, there are other denominations where they would say, 
we have marriages of two people of the same gender, and we feel that that has everything to do with God's blessing and the angels rejoicing because they embody what love is within a relationship, and that's what we celebrate. Mm. So as a priest, I'm thinking of the lesbian and gay couples who I have provided premarital counseling and to sit in that room and to hear their love, their care, their compassion, their commitment to each other in the ways that I hear heterosexual couples for their love, their compassion and their commitment to each other. And I see no difference. Yeah. And that's what pains me today that somehow this young woman has cannot see that her web design that she is prohibiting from those love relationships that I see as celeb- as worth celebrating from that God has ordained right. that she cannot see that they are also worth celebrating. And so that's what I grieve today. Dr. Griffin, thank you so much for spending time with us. And listeners, we're grateful to you for listening to Four People. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week. 